I really feel this. There's, there's a fool in our church who puts together the order of service and always puts himself after people like that. It's this guy. And <laughs> so I'm supposed to measure up to that somehow. Here's the good news. The Word of God always does. Amen? So we can trust the Word of God. Not me, but the Word. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. I just want to spend a few moments. It's Easter Sunday. It's the Sunday when we celebrate what makes every other Sunday mean something. Think about that. What we're celebrating today is actually what makes every other Sunday have meaning. So we're celebrating the fact that our Jesus has risen from the dead. We're celebrating the fact that he died in our place and on the third day rose again. And as you come to Mark's gospel, we've been working our way through Mark's gospel In the past couple of weeks, we've looked at Jesus preparing for his death. But he's been preparing his disciples before that for his death and his resurrection. There are at least three times where he tells his disciples that the Son of Man, meaning himself, would have to suffer many things and die and on the third day rose again, that he would have to rise again. And we come to Mark 16 and you have people that have seen Jesus die on the cross And they seem to forget the end of the story. Here's the good news. Jesus gives us the end of the story. He doesn't leave us wondering what's supposed to happen. He told his disciples what was supposed to happen. And yet they seem to forget it over and over again. As soon as Jesus is arrested, they scatter. They start denying him. They start running. They're not around anymore. They're huddling in a room, scared. They're not sure what to do. There are some Ladies who have been traveling as well, disciples, though not in the 12 named disciples. There are disciples who are ladies who have been traveling with Jesus and with his companions. And they've been serving and they've been serving the people that Jesus has been serving. And they're watching as Jesus is killed. And at the end of chapter 15, we see that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was buried. They laid Jesus in a tomb. And they saw where he was buried. They saw that there was a big stone rolled in front of the tomb opening. They saw that he was dead. And it seems like in that moment that they lost all hope. They didn't lose their love for Jesus. They lost hope in Jesus. That's a dangerous place to be. Our children are in the back right now, and I've said this for years around here. Our goal with the children of our church is not that they love Jesus. It's that they trust Jesus. Because you can love Jesus without trusting Him. But salvation comes by faith. We want you to trust Jesus today. Trust Him at His Word. Because this resurrection thing is not some little blip on the radar of redemption history of what God's doing. This is the center of history. What happened that weekend changed everything. If it's true. And that's the issue. If it's true. Right? Because if it's not true, the Apostle Paul tells us, and he tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in other places, we're... Pretty much, this is the whole good news. This is the good news we have. We don't have any other good news, right? This is it. This is of first importance, that Christ died, 
and that he rose. That's it. We don't have any good news to tell anyone. In fact, we're told that we are to be pitied above all people if this isn't true, if Christ didn't rise from the dead. So the verses in chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, are so essential to us because we have no reason for doing what we're doing today if they're not true. It's all pointless. We just get to get dressed up. I like to get dressed up, if you can't tell. I put on a flowery shirt today for you guys. I'm already getting grief over it, but my wife likes it, and that's all that matters. <laughs> all right? Right? She likes it. There you go. Okay. That's good. No, I mean, the fact of the matter is we get dressed up, we go to church, we come into a place, we sing some songs, we, we go through all of this, and honestly, it's, it means nothing if you didn't raise from the dead. It's pointless. Every hardship you're going through in your life right now, no point to it if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Think about that. There is no silver lining. Because all silver linings come from the fact that Jesus defeated death. So there's no silver lining in your life if this isn't true. There's no, there's a lesson to be learned. Nope, no lesson to be learned. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But if he did, it changes everything. There's hope. There's hope for today because every struggle you're going through can have a silver lining and can bring change and transformation. And there is hope. There's hope for the future because there's good news that this is only temporary. And there's hope for eternity. So I want to ask you a question today, and as we look at the passage of Scripture, it'll come clear why I'm going to ask this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? If you would look at Mark chapter 16. They saw where he was laid, and those same ladies, when the Sabbath was passed, so Friday he dies, and they take off Friday night, all day Saturday, the third day after his death, so now Sunday morning they get up and they go to tend to Jesus' body. They're taking spices to go and anoint him. He's not going to be smelling good at this point. Think about this. Not only has he been in a tomb, but he was beaten senseless. He died in the open. Okay, we're talking nastiness in the tomb is what they're expecting. And they're going to tend to his body. They're not going to worship. They're going to take care of a friend. And so it says that when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And as they're on their way to the tomb, it occurs to these three ladies that they saw a large stone rolled in front of that tomb. And it actually says here that they began to say to one another, somebody looked at one of the other ladies and went, uh... We forgot something. You ever gone on vacation? You have that checklist when you're going on vacation? Some of you just got back and you have that checklist and, and it's just the most nerve-wracking thing, the checklist, isn't it? My wife loves lists. And it's, those, those checklists are nerve-wracking because you always feel like you're forgetting something, right? And then it, you get in the car and you realize what it was. Anybody? You get halfway to vacation and you realize what it was. You get to the place and you realize there's no Walmart to go to. 
That happens on every mission trip I ever go on, right? I get there and it's like, oh, yeah, I was, no, I can't go to Walmart here. The fact is, they forgot something. Nobody was there to roll away the stone. This wasn't some little rock that needed to be picked up. I mean, this was going to be a massive stone that was meant to secure the tomb. Who's going to roll it away? So you see right there, no hope. They're not thinking, Jesus said he was going to rise again. If they had listened and they believed what Jesus had said, where should their mind be at that point? He might not even be there. Right? But in their despair, as they had watched him die, they forgot the hope. All of their fears had become reality to them and they forgot hope. And as they're walking there, they go, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And then they looked up and they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Their first thought is not Jesus is risen. Their first thought is Jesus is stolen. And they walk in. In verse 5, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side. We know from other accounts, from Luke's gospel and other places, this is an angel, that there were two angels in the tomb or there, and they pay attention here in Mark to one of the angels who speaks. And he said to them, in their being alarmed, okay, because that's what it says, look, verse Five And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Because that wasn't Jesus. <laughs> the only one who's supposed to be in that tomb is Jesus. This isn't Jesus. And so they're alarmed. This is a type of gut-wrenching alarm. That's what the word means, where it's just so intense that they don't know what to do. They aren't excited about what's happening. They are scared. They're frightened. And what does just about every angel in the New Testament tell somebody when they show up and people get scared? Fear not. What does this angel do? Do not be alarmed. And he tells them, don't be afraid. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Now, folks, if you're a regular attender or a member of Old Powhatan, you know that just about on a weekly basis, I tell you, you need to mark that in your Bible. You need to underline that. You should put a star by that. Make sure you remember that. Like, just about every other time I've ever told you to do that, you could forget. Do it today. Because if these words aren't true, none of the other words are true. He is risen. He is not here. All of these words are equally important. This is the word of God. But I want you to know, if these words aren't true, none of them are true. He is risen. He is not here. Think about that. Everything in all of history, everything that God has ever revealed about himself to us is true because these words are true. Because every promise he made was found complete in Jesus Every hardship finds its hope in Jesus. Is this true? That's the question. Is it true? The ladies here seem to have a hard time with it. They seem to have a hard time with this being true. 
Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. The ladies here are in shock now. They haven't moved from alarm to happiness at this point. They're still in alarm. Because this is a shocking reality. It changes all of reality. But if you're a believer in Jesus today, I want you to notice something. When this messenger, when this angel tells them he is risen, he is not here, he doesn't leave them there. He also, in giving them that good news, gives them a command. Look at what command he gives them. Don't be alarmed. He is risen. He is not here. Now go tell somebody. We do a lot of the, he is risen, he is risen indeed. I just wonder if we go tell anybody. It's interesting. He doesn't go say, first go tell all the people who would never believe this. He says, go tell Peter and the disciples. Go tell the people who should know he's risen. He is not here. Look around, folks. Look around. Go ahead. You can actually do this right now. Just look around. When was the last time you told somebody in this room, in the middle of their hardship, in the middle of their despair, in the middle of their struggle, in the middle of their illness, in the middle of whatever they're going through, and they come to you, or you have an opportunity, he's not in the tomb anymore. He's risen. Because your illness, your struggle, your despair, your depression... It's all defeated by death being defeated. When's the last time you told somebody, hey, remember, he's not in the tomb anymore? You know what? We don't just have to do that on Easter Sunday. You realize that, right? He's risen, he's risen indeed is true every day. And that's our hope. So, wives, tell your husbands this week when they start griping and complaining, you know, he's not in the tomb anymore. It'll go over really well. I promise it'll go over. It has to because the pastor told you to do it, right? Husbands, when, when your wives seem to be worrying and anxious, remind them that death is defeated. He is not here. When you have people who are struggling with what to do next, say, I'll pray with you. And here's the good news. The one I'm praying to is not in a tomb. He's not there. He's risen. Tell each other that. Remind each other of that. Live as if it's true. And when you see a brother or sister in Christ who's not living as if it's true... Remind them of it. <laughs> Tell them again. He's risen. But if you're here and you're one of these people who just really struggles with that reality, He's risen. It just doesn't happen. It's outside of the realm of possibility for you. I want to ask you, what are you afraid of? I'm not asking you that in the way of, what are you afraid of? You should just try it. 
I'm not talking about that. I want to know, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the unknown? Are you afraid of what might happen? Are you afraid of not adding up or measuring up to what other people expect you to be? Are you afraid of what might happen in this world, what might happen with that job, what might happen in school, what might happen in your marriage, what might are you afraid of those things? What scares you? What are you afraid of? Because I want you to know that if he didn't rise, you have reason to be scared. thing you should fear the most is death. Every one of us should fear death if he didn't rise. Because that's it. It's done. All of this that we do becomes pointless. Because it just ends. It's a Christian. When we, the ones who are supposed to know he is risen, he is not in the tomb, right? When we act like he's still in the tomb, remind each other. And maybe doubter who's here today, who's going, I don't know about all of this. When that fear grips you, let it grip you then. Let it grip you. Because that's all you got. Without Him being risen, that's all there is. I find it fascinating in this passage that verse 8 ends in this way. These ladies went out and they didn't run with glee. They fled. They were still afraid. They fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to no one for they were afraid. Christian, what are you afraid of? My guess is whatever you're afraid of is what's keeping you silent. He is not in the tomb. He's not there. If he were in the tomb, do you not think the Romans or the Jews at some point would have produced the body? Because that would have squashed the whole Christianity thing really quickly. Surely, the Romans knew how to kill him. They were good at it. The Jews knew how to bury him. They were really good at it. Witnesses saw it happen. And he's not there. What are you afraid of? Because if he rose, there's no condemnation and no fear anymore. I want you to have that sort of hope today. We're actually going to sing a song right now. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing a song that says it's just an old classic, an old faithful of Easter. And it tells us that there's no fear, that there's only hope because He lives. And because He actually lives, you can face tomorrow. But I want you to go back to these words. Do not be alarmed. He's not in the tomb. It's not there. 
Can we live that way? Only by faith. Only by trusting that what he says is true. His word is true. He is faithful and true. My prayer is that today you would trust him as being truthful and you would believe him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today we would honor Jesus as true and honor him as if he's alive because he's not in the tomb. He's alive forevermore and he is our hope. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to sing. We're going to sing with joy because he lives. No war with pain. 